This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Almost anyone is raining the shot clock down for the opponent when you're trying to operate on offense. Jameer Young, what a pass to Reese and a pretty finish for the first bucket of the evening. Was that on our air last night? Who was doing play-by-play there? No, that was the television broadcast. We, oh, I don't that get was the television calls, broadcast. Yeah. Okay, well, it was heard right here on the Team 980 last night, Maryland basketball, an unwatchable offensive night for the Terps. Uh, they lost to Rutgers last night at home by three. Any long-shot hope of making the tournament as an at-large bid, uh, as an at-large team, excuse me, is pretty much over. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm chipper today after that. Uh, Jarrett Johnson covers Texas Tech football and has covered Cliff Kingsbury uh, as the head coach at Texas Tech when he was coaching one Patrick Mahomes. He'll join us at 11 a.m. John Kime will be with us at noon today. And, yeah, we've got more Super Bowl trivia planned for today. We had a winner on day one, Daniel from Elkridge, I think it was. Um, Daniel from Elkridge uh, was a uh, was a winner at the very end of the show. Getting the question about presidents and quarterbacks correct, I really messed that one up, didn't I? That was too easy of a level three question. I had many people say, Sheehan, that is like a long time trivia question when it comes to Super Bowls. Um, and that one was just, that's out there. And, you know, I, I Googled it afterwards and it just pops up everywhere. That was a mistake on my part. If for those that didn't stick around until the end of the show or just didn't hear any of it yesterday, um, Super Bowl trivia ended with a level three question for tickets to either a Caps, Wizards, or Terps game, your choice. And the question was, five colleges have produced both a U.S. president and a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. Uh, You got 25 seconds, go. I thought it was a hard one. He ripped them off pretty quickly. And uh, I got got taken. Did you know that that was easily easily looked up? Uh, I didn't know that it was easily looked up, but we did give him a little bit of time to kind of finagle with the phone a little bit, which I'm sure helped. All right. Well, the answer for those that didn't know, um, five colleges have produced both a U.S. president and a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Uh, The current president, Joe Biden, went to the University of Delaware, as did Joe Flacco, hon, who won a Super Bowl. Miami of Ohio, Benjamin Harrison and Big Ben Roethlisberger both went to Miami of Ohio. Um, Beautiful school in Oxford, Ohio. University of Michigan produced Gerald Ford uh, and Tom Brady, of course. The Naval Academy, Jimmy Carter and Roger Staubach. Um, For whatever reason, I thought there was more than one president that went to the Naval Academy. It was just Jimmy Carter. And then Stanford, Herbert Hoover was uh, was at Stanford, and that school produced two winning Super Bowl quarterbacks and John Elway and Jim Plunkett. Anyway, we've got more Super Bowl trivia coming up today, and I will, for anybody that gets to that level three, it's going to be a lot harder, a lot harder. Um, That was on me, but good job by Daniel. Good job by Daniel. And by the way, Daniel was up front when I asked, did you look that up quickly? And he said, I did. 
And it was out there. Big mistake. Just bad, bad Super Bowl trivia management uh, by me. Um, So I got several, several tweets the last couple of days. I'm going to read two of them. This is from Steve on X on Twitter. You can follow me at Kevin Sheehan, D.C. on X on Twitter. Steve writes, Kevin, unless I don't know you as well as I think I do from listening to you over these many years, I'd say that you are the most optimistic you've been since you know who was here, LOL. Am I right? Uh, You know who would be, of course, Kurt Cousins. Um, And then this from David, Sheehan, I hear it in your voice. You're back in. Surprised that it was Quinn that did it for you but glad to have you back. A uh, lot of you uh, reached out with similar sentiment. I guess you f- sense from yesterday's show and Monday's show uh, that I am all in again. Look, I all I really feel right now is that it's nice to have an organization that has an owner that gives you a chance. And we don't know a lot about Josh Harris yet. Um, We don't know a lot about the very large ownership group at this point, Um, but we do know it's not Dan. That's one. Two, they have approached their first full offseason by choosing a structure that is more traditional in the NFL, uh, hiring a general manager, hiring a head coach, and then presumably giving them, you know, the ability to do their jobs. Uh, and so from that standpoint, it's nice to have Dan gone to have a football team structure that is more traditional, something that we really have not seen here, not seen here since Charlie Casserly was the general manager. You know, Dan Snyder was the de facto GM when Vinny was here. I mean, Marty had total control in 2001, but that was a one-year aberration, as we know, because they didn't want to have anything to do with that structure. Dan wasn't having any fun. And then we had the exit of Vinny, finally, um, in 2009. Vinny, a great guy, actually, and maybe an outstanding scout, just not a general manager in the NFL. Obviously, he's not. He had never been one before, and he hasn't been one since. Uh, And then we got an administrative general manager type in Bruce Allen, not a true talent evaluating football general manager. Um, And Dan was still, you know, significantly involved, but maybe a, a slightly lesser degree than he had been with Vinny. We have not had the traditional structure of owner, GM, coach since Charlie Casserly was the general manager here. So that's first and foremost, as Ron would say, what I am optimistic about. You know, and it doesn't mean I'm going to be right to have been optimistic about it. It doesn't mean that they got the right people to do these jobs. As much as Adam Peters was, you know, a heralded it, and Dan Quinn is a proven head coach to a certain degree, it doesn't mean that it will work. Um, but I like first, and foremost, the structure, the traditional structure with an owner that, you know, based on what we know, in the world, he is hire the people, get out of their way, let them do their job. So it's nice to have that, number one. Then number two is this. And this is the part where I've been a little bit frustrated over the last few days, over the last, you know, week in particular, or since they hired Ron, uh, since they hired Ron, since they hired Dan Quinn at the end of last week. I think. I would have absolutely, and I'm only speaking for myself, but I would also say that I'm surprised that others don't feel this way. Some of you do, some of you don't. I would have absolutely taken a month ago, hey, you are going to get the number one general manager in this hiring cycle. Uh, Number two, you're going to get one of your top choices to be head coach. Will you take that? I would have taken that in a heartbeat. I think these last three weeks have produced a good outcome, a really good outcome. And by the way, I feel better about the outcome in many ways, uh, Steve and David and everybody else that reached out that sensed that I had more optimism today than I've ever had, or since you know who was here, Cousins, um, that 
you know, you, you dodged a bullet along the way because Ben Johnson clearly does not fit the mantra that they had going into this head coaching search, which was leadership, number one. He didn't want to be a head coach. How could you possibly? Can you imagine if they had the interview offered him and it was such great money that this guy who doesn't want to be a head coach right now took it anyway? Because let's just say the, the the money was outrageous, or you know he was impressed with you know Adam Peters and you know Rick Spielman and Bob Myers and Martin Mayhew and all the people that were involved in the interview process. But really and truly, deep down, he doesn't want to be a head coach, and is clearly not, as we found out more over the last couple of weeks, a leader. Personally, I think they would have gotten to a face to face with Ben Johnson and passed. I mean, I would hope that based on what we've learned, including the fact that he texted them when they were en route to Detroit to tell them that he was staying at Detroit, not exactly the most professional way to you know end the conversations about this. I would hope that they would have gotten to the face-to-face interview and sensed that this guy isn't the leader they're looking for, in their first face-to-face, which, keep in mind, they had to wait until a week ago Monday. They couldn't do it before then because his Detroit Lions were still competing in the postseason. But I would have hoped that they would have gotten to that point face-to-face with people who have hired and fired thousands of times over their careers, you know, in Josh Harris, in Mitchell Rails, in Bob Myers, in Rick Spielman, And not so much Adam Peters, which is why you want some of those other experienced people to be involved. Ultimately, if you read through the Albert Breer story, there were um, there was really a lot of one on ones at the end with Peters and the candidates. But I would have hoped that they would have come to the conclusion after meeting face to face with Ben Johnson anyway, if they had gotten that opportunity to pass. And I think they would have. I mean, I think that is a massive blessing in disguise bullet dodged over you know what we thought was perhaps the number one candidate but that's got gotten twisted around a lot i mean all of the reporting i'm not going to sit here for another minute well maybe another minute or two at some various uh, at some point uh but all of the reporting about Ben Johnson being the number one target, Mike McDonald being offered, all this stuff. Look, the bottom line is Dan Quinn was near the top of their list. Was he number one? Who knows? But I guarantee you he wasn't any worse than two or three. And so if you told me a month ago you're going to get the number one general manager candidate in this hiring cycle, a guy that everybody believes is going to be an outstanding general manager and lots of teams are interested in Adam Peters. And then on top of that, you're going to get one of your top choices to be a head coach and you're going to land on the the only guy taking Belichick and Harbaugh and Vrabel out of the uh, out of the discussion because apparently they were never in. That would be the one nit to pick is is Vrabel and Harbaugh for me. But that aside, you got out of the people that you were interviewing, the number one guy that fit the leadership that you were looking for, known leadership anyway, maybe it'll turn out that Mike McDonald will be an outstanding leader, you know, or Ben Johnson down the road, doesn't feel like it right now, will be an outstanding leader. But if you just add it up these last three weeks, I mean, what made anybody believe that they deserve to get the number one general manager candidate? What did anything about this organization right now? Crap stadium, crap facilities, a fan base that's dwindled to 50% of what it used to be. Really, you know, and that's gaining fans here since Snyder left. A roster that's got holes all over it. Yeah, there's some cap space. Yeah, there's some draft picks. But what made anybody believe that Washington should get their number one GM choice and number one head coaching choice? Like, all all together, they got the number one GM candidate, and worst case, they may have gotten their number two, or worse, worse, number three, which I don't think he was number three. I think he was in the top two all along. 
Dan Quinn, head coach. Great job. I think they did a phenomenal job. It doesn't mean that I think it's going to work. Okay, none of these things going into them, do you know if they're going to work or not? I, I, I don't have any issue with Dan Quinn as a head coach. They got the kind of person they told us they were looking for. They got the number one talent evaluating next great GM. Who knows? Maybe he won't be. Maybe there are things about this job that are much different than the assistant GM job that he won't be good at. But they got the guy. I mean, the net of all of this is they did well, in my view, over the last three weeks. So from that standpoint, no Dan, traditional structure, got a legitimate top-tier general manager candidate, the number one guy, and got a coach that fit exactly what they were looking for. They told us what they were looking for, which was leadership. He was at the top or near the top of their list, and they got him too. Not bad. That's where I am, Steve and Dave. That's why I feel better about you know this franchise right now than I have in a long time. I'm not making any predictions as to what the Dan Quinn Adam Peters, you know, combination will produce. You do have a professional head coach. He has been successful in the past. Uh, and you've got a general manager that a lot of people have a lot of faith will be something special moving forward. But there are no guarantees. It's the NFL. It is week to week. But in terms of the structure, in terms of the people they got, in terms of what they were looking for, I don't know how you can't at least at the very, at the very, very minimum say, you know what? They did okay. And there was no reason to believe heading into this offseason that they should do well. Again, it's still Washington. You know, people like Adam Peters, people who are in their 30s and 40s, They don't know about the history. They don't know about what this franchise was. You don't think – the Mike McDonald thing is one of the interesting things. Well, they should have gotten Mike McDonald when Ben Johnson refused the interview. Well, maybe Mike McDonald didn't want Washington as much as he wanted Seattle. What makes you believe that Washington deserved Mike McDonald or that Mike McDonald wanted, wanted Washington? He's 37 years old. He doesn't remember Washington being great. Those people watch Washington in recent years and see it as the the low end of the NFL. Empty stadium, stadium filled with the opponent's fans when it is filled. Seattle's one of the great destinations football-wise in the league. 12th man, unbelievable stadium, rabid fan base, and by the way, a very attractive young roster, especially on defense. Um, Also, I would say a proven general manager in John Schneider. So, yeah, I'm I'm okay. Um, I'm more than okay with the way this has been handled. You know, when we get down to the coordinator discussion, on some level, the Kingsbury thing is a wild card, but at the same time, given that they've got number two and likely will take a quarterback, because I do think they will take a quarterback, um you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that was available to be an OC in this particular hiring cycle that has more in terms of proven success with the quarterback development than Cliff Kingsbury. Now, offensively, the scheme, um, I'm not sure yet on Kingsbury. In terms of the relationship he'll have with a young quarterback, in terms of his input into which quarterback makes the most sense, I feel confident about that in Kingsbury. I don't know offensively if he does a lot of the things that he's done in the past, if it's a lock to work consistently at the NFL level, but I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm curious. And yeah, to a certain extent, I am more optimistic than I've been in a long time. But wasn't that the default for everybody once Dan sold the team? If you still had any care left in your body, 
Dan selling the team made you immediately more optimistic. But yeah, in terms of increased optimism from just Dan selling the team, yeah, I think that Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson, with the help of Bob Myers and Rick Spielman, and then Adam Peters once he was on board, um, and now Dan Quinn with the two coordinators, I don't have much of an issue with what they've done. I think they've done pretty well, actually. Uh, but that's just me. Um what do I think will happen next? It's going to be fun to watch. I have no idea what will happen next. Uh, but they have a professional structure and perhaps professional people in these positions. And, yes, um, to uh, David, who said, surprised that it was Quinn that did it for you, but glad to have you back. I really did enjoy Dan Quinn in that press conference the other day. I thought what we got was authentic. Um, we didn't get a sales pitch. I think Ron was always way too into selling whatever he thought that day should be sold to the audience that was paying attention. And I didn't think we were going to get that with Rivera when they hired him. Um, but man, we got a lot of that, especially over the final two years. A lot of double talk, a lot of salesy kind of trying to pitch, a lot of caring what people thought. A lot of way too much sensitivity to what people thought. And what I saw with Dan Quinn in that 56 to 57 minutes was him, authentic, genuine, not concerned about trying to pitch anybody on anything. Just really pumped, excited, ready to rock, as he said, to be here. Uh, And we'll see how it works out. And again, I think... Um, Just emphasizing what I discussed yesterday, I think the other reason that I'm optimistic or perhaps even more optimistic than just beyond the owner being gone and new ownership being in is it did strike me on, you know, at the press conference on Monday that there's the fit right now subject to change between Peters and Quinn seems to be like on the same page. You know, they spoke the same language. And I think for Peters, a first-time general manager, to have somebody like Quinn who's got that natural sort of leadership ability, more of the extrovert than Peters is, much more of the communicator than Peters is, but to have this aligned vision on the kind of roster that they want to put together, the kind of traits as they talked about. You know, Quinn said secret sauce. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Peters described it as put on the silent tape, but they both had, uh, or they both were, at least for the purposes of this press conference, very much in lockstep in terms of what they're going to be looking for. And one of the things we've learned in recent years as fans of this team, when you've got, you know, essentially a disjointed uh, general manager or personnel department and head coach football Uh, team uh, relationship. It's not good. And we saw that with Jay and Bruce in particular. When you have one person doing it and he's not, essentially they have nobody to be accountable to other than themselves in the Ron Rivera situation, not good. Um, This is an aligned vision. It's also a vision in terms of the traits that they're looking for in players that I personally prefer. You know, I want them to find the Debo Samuels, the Stephen Smith seniors, the Brian Mitchells of the world. Um, I think that that's one thing that they both sort of described. They're looking for finishers. They're looking for badass competitors. Um, And the 49ers have those players in spades and have for several years. No organization has done a better job of finding the guys that are physical, explosive, and competitive. Um, They've just missed on the quarterback more often than not. All right, uh, when we come back, uh, we didn't play something for you yesterday that I want to play, but there's more from Super Bowl week. Kyle Shanahan weighed in on Dan Quinn and Adam Peters. Matt Ryan weighed in on Dan Quinn. And then Patrick Mahomes weighed in on the Cliff Kingsbury 
hiring. You'll hear all of those when we come back. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team980.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. So um, I was going to get to some of this uh, yesterday, but we didn't have time. Um, I'm going to first just read from a story that'll be a segue for for me into something that I wanted to talk about when it was possible there briefly at the end of last week that Chip Kelly uh, was going to be the offensive coordinator here. There's still a possibility Chip Kelly could end up being an offensive coordinator leaving UCLA for Seattle now, which is apparently where he's interviewing. But before I get to that, um, on Monday there was a, a ruling that could change, you know, we see these headings all the time, that could change collegiate sports by allowing NCAA athletes to unionize. Um, the National Labor Relations Board ruled Monday that Dartmouth, their men's basketball players, who had petitioned to be recognized by a local union, um, are employees of the school, a ruling that could allow NCAA athletes to unionize and negotiate work conditions, among other aspects of their employment. Uh, be careful because, you know, this almost happened at the Utica branch and they threatened to shut the whole thing down. Or was it Pittsfield? I forget, Denton, Uh, but Jan was pretty upset in the warehouse when Michael started talking union with everybody in the warehouse. Anyway, I digress. Um, Patino, as in Rick Patino, who's doing a good job in his first year at St. John's this year, upon hearing that news, tweeted that the major conferences in college basketball should join forces and create a salary cap of up to $2 million. He did not specify if that number would include name, image, and likeness payments or funding directly from the schools. For basketball, have the Power Five and Big East Conference commissioners get together and create a salary cap, one and a half to two million bucks, all contracts delivered to the league and school offices. While Patino didn't suggest that the major conferences should split from the other schools, he said the cap should be different for those leagues. All the other conferences establish their own salary cap. I would never exclude anyone from the NCAA tournament. Obviously, football is a different sport entirely, and some of their talent makes more than NFL players. More solutions to follow in the coming days. This was Patino. Um, Look, I'm not going to get into the idea of a salary cap because if you're going to do a salary cap for basketball players – You can't do a salary cap in terms of actual salaries and then, on top of it, give these players unrestricted annual free agency with NIL, which is what exists now. But all of this ties into um, the the news over the last few weeks, uh, or the last week in particular, where we've already had one actual head coach of a – Power Five Conference college football team leave as a head coach to become a coordinator in the NFL. Jeff Hathley's been the head coach at Boston College for the last four seasons. He left BC two weeks ago or a week and a half ago to become the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator, replacing, by the way, Joe Barry. Now we hear that Chip Kelly is fine with leaving a head coaching position at UCLA in the in what will now be a Big Ten UCLA uh, conference to take a coordinator position in the NFL. At first, there were discussions or reports that Kelly might be a target for Washington. Then when Kingsbury pulled out of the Raiders, it was a possibility he could get the Raiders job, but that went to Luke Getze. And now there are reports that Kelly could take the Seattle job. Why is Chip Kelly so desperate 
to leave UCLA. Well, there may be more to this story. There may be a part of the story that says UCLA is ready to move on from Chip Kelly. But the overarching theme here is that NIL and transfer portal are driving people and good coaches out of college sports because it has become an absolutely different job than it's ever been before. For me, and I've talked about this for a while, NIL transfer portal, but NIL specifically just doesn't intuitively seem sustainable to me. For how long, for how long will rich school donors pony up through these collectives for players that don't produce and then leave after eight or nine months? I mean, the current environment to me, um, you know, it seems to be an environment that pleases the people out there that, from my standpoint, have never managed anybody, never hired anybody, never been responsible for you know, revenue, never been responsible for a simple balance sheet or P&L. You know, no offense to some of these people. I think Jay Billis leads the group on some of this stuff that have wanted the players to get their fair share by, by being doled out salaries and now are thrilled with NIL uh, ability and annual free agency. It's just there is a there's a middle ground here somewhere. I don't disagree, trust me, with the players getting a piece of the pie. But most people who claim they should get a big piece of the pie don't understand the economics of this. They don't understand that this current system is a fair share move that's gone way too far. The system currently has resulted in annual unrestricted free agency for college athletes, which nobody has ever had in any sport professionally. And what it's done is it's turned the actual job of coaching into a job that focuses on fundraising, recruiting, re-recruiting. I mean, the amount of time you got to talk to some of these coaches, the amount of time that a Division I power conference college basketball coach or college football coach now spends just re-recruiting the players that they just recruited a year ago. It is a massive time suck, followed by more fundraising, more recruiting, more more re-recruiting. Coaching is now secondary. Player development, personal development of these young men is now secondary to fundraising for collectives, recruiting, and re-recruiting. Because every eight to nine months, these players can take the 500 grand to play in 2023, average 2.3 points per game, a half an assist, and no rebounds, and then jump into the portal and take their next gig. I just don't see most places, excluding a few, you know, excluding Ohio State, excluding Texas. Even the programs that you perceive to have bottomless pits filled with cash are going to find it hard to keep refilling the coffers every year when the return on investment is so low. It's going to be harder and harder to keep going back to the guy that gave 300 k for the collective and say, yeah, you know, it was really helpful and but you know i know we lost you know we got five, we got four th- three solid players for the basketball team and two of them are leaving after taking our money after one year but we need you to re up they keep investing they're, keep, they're they're going to keep asking these guys to keep investing into these collectives that have resulted in massive one way relationships I think it's going to end at some point. I've been talking about this for forever without even understanding a lot of what how this works because it's been very wild, wild west in, in, in sort of the operation of it. I just know that when you continue as a smart business person, no matter how much money you have, 
to kick in three, four hundred, five hundred k into a collective that's going to be spent on players for the school that you you're an alum of or you're a fan of, and the return is so low and the return is very low. It's like NFL draft low. It's like you know if you hit on one out of three, that's great, but the other two out of three, they took your money. They've got no commitment back to the school other than for that one season, and they're back in free agency. I think it's going to end at some point in the current format. I don't think it's sustainable. I don't have a solution because as long as the TV money funds all sports at universities, not just football and men's basketball, but the other, you know, 18 to 27 sports, depending on the university, then the economics aren't there for a salary cap. They're not there in 90% of the places to dole out salaries to players. I do think they deserve NIL money. I do I do think they deserve to make money off their name, image, and likeness. But the way it's structured currently, where it's a one-way relationship and the player doesn't have to commit back to the university for more than one season, is unsustainable, in my opinion. And again, the flip side to that, which has been the argument all along before NIL came about, um, which is just pay the players. It's billions of revenue. There are a lot of people out there, and I've tried to explain this in past years, that don't understand top-line revenue versus profitability, versus net profit, versus EBITDA, all right, profit pre-tax. You know, just because you see these billions of dollars, do you understand the costs involved? in running a major college football program and a major college basketball program. And then on top of that, that money is used to fund another 18 to 25, 26, 27 sports that aren't as revenue generating and in most cases are non-revenue generating. 90% of the major Power 5 schools don't make money. All right, Sheehan, well, they can pay the coaches less. They can, you know, they can spend a little bit less on here and there. Yeah, but do the math. It still doesn't add up to being able to pay 100 players on a football team, or let's just say the 50 that are actually contributing in an annual salary. And as far as union, becoming a union, good luck. Good luck with getting any more than you're already getting now, which is a free education free health care, free meals, free coaching, and most importantly, and I always have felt this is the most underrated portion of the value proposition for the athlete and the university in the old system, and that is you get an absolute free-of-charge marketing platform for a potential professional career in sports. If you weren't playing basketball at Duke or football at Ohio State. Let's not even take those two schools. If you weren't playing basketball at Texas Tech when they went to the Final Four, or Auburn when they went to the Final Four, or in football, you know, uh, you made All-American at Boston College and won the Pinstripe Bowl. If you didn't have that marketing platform, your initial draft position would be much lower, which would mean less compensation going into the NFL, and your endorsement opportunities as a rookie player in the NFL or in the NBA would be zilch because no one would know your name. The biggest benefit to college players in the old traditional room, board, tuition, health care, meals, Coaching, okay, free coaching, free training, uh, free uh, advisory for academics, etc. The thing that always got left out, and I will concede that it is not necessarily quantifiable, although it probably is, but nobody's ever done a deep study into it, is the marketing platform that playing big-time college sports provides that athlete. And if he ends up having an NFL or an NBA career, what it means incrementally to first-year salary or first contract overall value, and first endorsement options and availability. 
Uh, anyway, I, I think the last week with Chip Kelly, with Jeff Halfley, with some of these coaches, you're starting to see. And if you you know read between the lines, if you even hear some coaches speak on this, it is not the same job. It's not as enjoyable. I mean, I would suggest that coaches, you know, um, take as an example uh, Jay Wright. Okay, who left kind of at the top of his game, multi, you know, national championship winner. A guy like that, you know, he may have been ready to retire. Certainly, you know, a guy that wasn't super old and super unhealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but to retire at 59, 60 years old at the top of his game came down to do I really want to be in the business of re-recruiting a guy that I just signed eight months ago, especially after he had just an okay freshman year and we paid him a half million bucks for the season, that's got to change. That part has to change. If NIL and Transfer Portal are going to continue as is, there has to be a multi-year commitment back. Maybe that means more NIL money up front, okay? But you've got you cannot put these coaches into the position where they're not focused on these young men that they've brought into their program. They're focused on re-recruiting them to stay. It's all right now, all the power lies with the players, much more so than an NFL player even has. Unrestricted annual free agency is what college, big time college sports has become. And don't tell me, fine, scrap that, just pay them. You can't at 90% of the places. If you're going to fund the non-revenue generating sports, if you want to do away with all of those other sports, non-revenue generating sports, it still doesn't pencil out in the way you think it would, but you've got a better shot. All right. Uh, got a little bit in depth on that. We will play the sound that I promised you. What Kyle Shanahan said, what Matt Ryan said, um, what Patrick Mahomes said uh, about some of the new hires here in Washington. Next, Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team980.com. College hoops last night, big time upset in the ACC. Unranked Clemson scores a major road win, eighty to seventy six over number three UNC. This is when UNC is hot off the heels of beating Duke this weekend. Rutgers beat Maryland fifty six to fifty three in the NHL. Caps get blistered in the return from the All Star break, five to two by the Canadiens. But Alex Ovechkin scored eight thirty two, baby, one closer to surpassing. The great one, Wayne Gretzky. The Vegas Golden Knights ended Edmonton's 16-game win streak last night, 3-1 to as well. Wizards in action tonight. They host the Cavs. You can hear it right here on the Team 980. And that's what's trending. It is Super Bowl week. I kind of feel, and I was talking to Tommy about this yesterday, Denton, on my pod. I think when you are in a market where there's lots of change, um, coaching change, GM change like we are, man, the Super Bowl is completely backburnered. And I haven't thought for a moment uh, about the game um, that much. But I, I, I'm looking forward to the game. I think it's a really good matchup. And we will do more on the game tomorrow and on Friday for sure. And actually, you know, I'm not even sure it's just the markets in which there's significant change going on. This week between championship games and the Super Bowl tends to be a newsy week that has nothing to do with the game. It's all of the different changes around the league, all of the different moves from around the league. And that gets highlighted even at the Super Bowl when people like Patrick Mahomes and Kyle Shanahan are being asked questions about some of the things that are going on around the league versus the game. I, I think by 6.30 on Sunday night, I'm going to be into it. Uh, but it's been hard over the last few days to even think about it. And the two weeks between ch- – the championship game Sunday is, to me, the last real Sunday of the football season. The Super Bowl tends to be anticlimactic in my view, typically. You got to wait two weeks. We went through the first weekend without football since Labor Day weekend, um, not counting preseason, 
we're week zero in college football. So Kyle Shanahan met with the media on Monday, and he was asked about the situation in Washington. Look, Kyle and Mike, I mean, trust me, they it's not that they openly rooted against Washington. They didn't even have to openly root. They knew as long as the same guy that employed them was here, it would never work. But with him gone and Adam Peters and Dan Quinn in, of course, Kyle worked with Adam in San Francisco and was the OC for Kyle, for Dan Quinn in Atlanta. This is what Kyle said about the situation here in D.C. I'm so pumped for Dan. I'm so pumped for Washington. Dan's a hell of a coach. They got a hell of a one. I know they've gone through a lot of stuff in these last 20 years, but having AP and DQ is as good as it gets. Like Dan taught me so much in Atlanta. I'm very grateful for how much he's um, helped my career and him and Stacy and just what he's going to do for their organization. Um, knowing Adam, knowing Jen, like they're set up very well. That was nice. He didn't have to say that, although he kind of had to say nice words considering he worked for one and worked with another. Um, but that was Kyle Shanahan in Vegas on Monday. This was Dan Quinn's starting quarterback, the MVP in 2016 of the NFC champion Atlanta Falcons, talking about playing for Dan Quinn, Matt Ryan. It was you know, my first time in the NFL when Dan came in going through a coaching change, and with that you know, comes a shakeup in your routine, and you know, it's different people in the building. you got all, all these new people. So it was the most turnover that I had ever felt. There was also a lot of turnover on our roster, and so it was – it was me being in the same building for a long time, but it was a lot of different people uh, and learning a new culture, a new way of doing things. Um, you know, but he made you comfortable really quickly. And I think that's one of his greatest strengths is that he makes guys comfortable, uh, free to be themselves and, and free to play the way that they're capable of. And um, I'm pumped for him and Stacy. You made that the right time for him to get a second chance? Dan, Quinn, yeah, absolutely. You know, I always... In my opinion, I always thought he would he would be another, he would be a head coach uh, again, and I thought he did a great job in Dallas. I know, you know, there, there was criticism of, of the last playoff game, but if if you look at his time and, and what they did uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, he showcased what kind of coach he is, right? And um, I'm not surprised at all that that he's got another opportunity. That was Matt Ryan. By the way, real quickly. I, I, I'm sure we've had this conversation before. Uh, quick answer, Matt Ryan, Hall of Fame or not? I do think he'll get in, but it'll be a couple ballots. Yeah, I think I agree with that. When you look at the career, first of all, he had a very long career. He was a starting quarterback for 15 years uh, in the NFL. Um, he had a lot of big years uh and his numbers really stack up pretty favorably uh in terms of yards touchdowns interceptions interception percentage um wins he had a an overall winning record uh on some teams in atlanta let's face it that weren't always great but he probably elevated and that 2016 season, man, nearly 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, seven picks. His interception percentage was the lowest of his career at 1.3%. Man, Kyle can coach up some offense. All right, this was Patrick Mahomes at the Super Bowl yesterday being asked about his college coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, just a great a great person, man. Um, someone that truly loves the game of football, works his tail off every single day, um, and uh, gets the best out of his guys, um, especially his quarterbacks. And so uh, I'm excited for him to have another opportunity in the NFL. Um, I thought he did a great job in Arizona, um, especially with the offense. And so I think he'll do a great job in, uh, in Washington uh, getting that offense going. Yeah, so, I mean, look, Mahomes, the quarterbacks that have played for Kingsbury all rave about Kingsbury. And this is a big hire for us. This is going to be one that they need to have gotten right because Dan Quinn, even though he talked about being the head coach of the entire team and being involved in sort of the management of the game, I don't think there's any doubt like he did in Atlanta. He's going to turn this offense over to Cliff Kingsbury. I think Kingsbury, my personal belief, and I don't know this, I'm not reporting this, but I think he's going to have a voice for sure 
in what they do at quarterback here in the draft. Uh, but there is no doubt that the quarterbacks um, that were with Cliff Kingsbury over the years and, you know, Keenum, Manziel, Mayfield, Mahomes, Caleb Williams, uh, this is a big bonus of having him uh, here. And then lastly, the GM in Atlanta uh, during Dan Quinn's stay, Thomas Dimitrov, who we will hopefully have on the show here over the next few days because uh, I've, I've gone back and forth with him, and it's just Super Bowl week, and he's out in Vegas, and his demands are pretty high because he's with Sumer Sports. Remember the group that he, Eric Eager, who we've had on the show, the former PFF guy, Eric Eager and Thomas Dimitrov started Sumer Sports together. Well, Dimitrov was the general manager in Atlanta. He's the one that hired Dan Quinn with Arthur Blank. This is what he said uh, on Radio Row yesterday about Dan Quinn in Washington. No disrespect to Ben Johnson, but Adam Peters, first-time general manager, really good at what he does. Instead of having two neophytes in that role, let's bring in a guy that has been a head coach before who is really good at evaluating, which is music to yeah. to uh, Adam Peters' ears. Yeah. Dan Quinn knows personnel. He knows how to evaluate, and not in a heavy-handed way. He 100% respects that. He comes in with unbelievable energy, in my mind, comparatively speaking. No offense to Ron Rivera and that group, but there's a complete difference. This is going to be great for the franchise coming off everything you guys came off of with an ownership change. Yep. I think it's ideal, and I think these two men are going to get rolling really well. I'm talking about Adam Peters and, of course, Dan Quinn. Uh, you know, very kind words from Dimitrov. And, by the way, I think a very reasonable way to look at it. We've talked about this. Um, I think, ultimately, no disrespect to Ben Johnson. He didn't want to be a head coach. Even if they had gotten to that interview a week ago Monday, I don't think they would have offered uh, Ben Johnson. Even if he had been, at some point in time, the apple of somebody's eye, uh, as he was for for many teams. Um yeah, there is, to me, something that makes a lot of sense about not having first-time owner, first-time GM, first-time coach. There is a guy among that trio that has really been involved in this. Dimitrov, by the way, and Quinn, you know, were tied at the hip. You know, Dimitrov hired Dan Quinn. Uh, they were both fired in the 2020 COVID season after an 0-5 start. At the same time. Um, anyway, um, Thomas Dimitrov, Matt Ryan, Patrick Mahomes, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, when we find somebody that says something negative about what Washington has done here, other than some of you on Twitter or some of you who have blogs, uh, we'll play that for you. I have yet to hear anybody league-wide um, or even people who are fearless as media personalities who used to be in the league. I have not heard much negative about what Washington's done here in the offseason. All right, let's find out a little bit more about Cliff Kingsbury, a major hire for the team. We did that yesterday with Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator uh, in, uh, in, in Madison for Wisconsin. Uh, we will be joined right now, or next, excuse me, by Jarrett Johnson. He covered Cliff Kingsbury when he was the head coach at Texas Tech. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980 and the Team980.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.